Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, False Dichotomy. We need to change the way we discuss politics. When we argue about Democrat slash Republican, liberal slash conservative, left slash right, red slash blue, what we're really arguing is government slash government, government slash government, and government slash government. We should be arguing government slash liberty. The difference between Democrats and Republicans has been superficial for a long time. The theater they put on is really different. You would think, based on what they say, how they sing and dance, that they're really quite different from each other. But once they're in power, it's really hard to tell which is which without a playbill. Bush put in the Patriot Act. Obama renewed it. Bush put in the TSA. Obama made it even more horrible. And there are hundreds of other examples that you could cite. There is a slight difference between the parties about which area of your lives they want to completely control. Democrats want to make 60% of your decisions for you. Republicans want to make the other 60%. And between the two of them, they have everything pretty well covered with a considerable amount of overlap. And they never, ever reverse what the previous administration did. It's a stage show, and it's carefully scripted, but it doesn't contain any surprises for the smartenized. You can picture the two parties as, well, picture them as two individuals standing on stage in a theater, putting on their little theater show for the masses. There's only one spotlight. And the Democrat steps into the spotlight and screws everything up. And the citizens get upset. And they vote for the, quote, other, unquote, party. The Democrat, with a sly smile and a wink to his Republican friend, steps to the side and lets the GOP take the spotlight for a while. The Republicans then screw everything up more and the citizens, convinced that it's time for a change, now vote in the Democrats. The GOP, with the same sly smile, step aside while their Democratic brethren move back into the spotlight and the whole process starts again. The stupid fall for it every time and then they wonder why nothing ever changes. And the system is very badly gamed against anyone who would try to change it. Between gerrymandering, ballot restrictions, and the media ignoring any meaningful alternatives, it's almost impossible to get a third party on there. And even Democrats and Republicans that are outside of the mainstream, they're pretty much ignored. Now, if we really want to get picky about our semantics, the conversation shouldn't be government-slash-liberty. It should be tyranny-slash-liberty. The problem is that most of the tyrannies that most of us are subjected to are petty tyrannies. They're stupid little things that make our life worse, but they're kind of petty. And so we put up with them. So who cares all that much if you can't buy the same light bulbs that you used to? It's a petty thing. We'll just live with it. And we'll accept it. And the unsmartenized will cheer it on. 
because it's better for everybody somehow. But all those petty tyrannies start to pile up until pretty soon you've got no freedom left at all. But tyranny is such a strong word, it's such a powerful word, that if we try and frame the debate as tyranny slash liberty, we're going to lose. Because people are going to look at those stupid little petty tyrannies and they're going to say, oh, that's not really tyranny. We really, we can put up with that or it's actually good for us. So let's reframe our language because our language reflects how we view the world and how we perceive our reality. And stop talking about parties and groups where the differences are minor. We need to stop talking about Democrat slash Republican, liberal slash conservative, and instead start talking about government slash liberty. And then maybe we can actually move toward accomplishing something worthwhile. I'm recording this on October 13th, 2011. For those of you listening to this in the future, Occupy Wall Street is spreading all over the country. Interesting to note, too, that while the cops have been absolute thugs, just basically pepper spraying and beating anybody they could, the media has pretty much ignored that, including on Fox News, they were complaining about how dumb and bad and stupid the protesters were. And one of the clips they kept playing over and over again was a cop with a billy club smashing people in the back and just swinging it indiscriminately, and it never even occurred to them never occurred to them to talk about the police brutality. Instead, they said, well, 100 people were arrested, as if that proves they were doing something wrong and evil. I understand the motives and the anger that are driving, especially the younger protesters. They went and they got good educations, with the promise of that turning into a good job, and now they're done with huge debts and there are no jobs. They played by the rules. And now they're being told, well, take this $7 an hour job and see if you can use that to pay off your huge college debt. And they know it's not likely they can take that $7 an hour job and work hard and work their way up and turn it into a viable career because jobs that pay well are just gone. They're just not out there anymore. Older folks like myself are also angry. We've got decades of experience in our chosen professions, and we can't find work. I just took a job that'll pay me about half of what I used to make, and after some long periods of unemployment, I'm happy to have it. We are all in deep trouble, and we're angry, and we're scared, and all those emotions are perfectly justifiable. But most of the protesters have no idea why their situation is so bad. Capitalism the system that put clothes on their backs and iPods in their knapsacks and coffee in their veins isn't the problem. Corporatism, also known as crony capitalism, pseudo-capitalism, is what's created all of these problems. And these protesters are so close, they almost get it. They're protesting, for instance, the bailouts, the handouts of taxpayer money to the people who created these problems to begin with. One of the most important features of capitalism is failure. Failure is the way that we learn that a business model isn't viable anymore, or that a corporation's goods or services are no longer wanted, 
And those resources can be devoted to something else now. But instead, we have handouts. Oh, your business is too big to fail, so here's taxpayer money. Trillions of dollars of taxpayer money. And, by the way, you can still keep the same CEOs and they can take home $30, $40 million a year. That's okay. We don't mind that. That's corporatism. That's what we have now with virtually every Congress weasel, a wholly owned subsidiary of the same corporations, industries, and special interests. When these protesters complain that we have socialism for big business and capitalism for the rest of us, they're absolutely right. But their inability to distinguish between real capitalism and corporatism, their mistake of thinking they're the same thing, makes them think, oh, we need socialism for everyone. Which, of course, would make things much worse. It would replace big, huge government that created this mess with bigger, huger government. Now unions are joining the movement, and the protesters are delighted, unaware that unions, who also buy and sell Congress weasels, are a big part of the problem. Now I have seen interviews with a few of the protesters who actually do understand the difference between capitalism and corporatism. So I have some hope, just a little bit, that that knowledge may spread into the rest of the group. And they'll start suggesting things like changing the definition of corporate personhood. So you strip the corporations of their free speech rights that real people have, and that would allow the passage of laws that absolutely forbid any contribution to any congressperson or any party by any corporate interest or special interest or union. Of course, the only people who can do that are those who benefit directly from the bribes, uh, the contributions that they receive. So the odds of that happening are pathetically small. But at the very least, the protesters should direct their anger not at Wall Street, which will buy Congress weasels as long as it's allowed, but to Washington, D.C. Congress willfully and gleefully created this mess or made it possible through inaction and through direct actions. They're the only ones who can put a stop to it. Don't hold your breath. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you just can understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. Hey, if you'd like to comment, argue, or discuss any of this, you can drop me a line, hitman at davehit.com. You can get the correct spelling of that just about anywhere on the davehit.com website. Just spell it with two T's, and you'll find all kinds of things there. So, until next time, let me remind you that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion, and therefore should not be taken too seriously.